Welcome to Vinyasa in Verse, the podcast where we connect mind, body, and spirit through poetry and practice. I'm Leslie Ann Hobayan. Together, we'll explore different ways of connecting with our innermost selves and how to tap into the flow of the universe. Because once that happens, anything is possible. Your best life starts now. Hello, loves. Welcome to another episode of Vinyasa in Verse. How are you on this beautiful day? I don't know about you, but for me, the weather is beautiful in a different way. It's not sunny. It's actually, uh, we've got Tropical Storm uh, Isaias here. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, and I've got a lot of wind in the trees, a lot of rain against the window, an interesting color sky where it's bright but not blue, maybe just a thinned out light gray. But it's really amazing to just watch Mother Nature do its thing from the safety of my own house, of course. Um, and so this morning or this evening or this afternoon, whenever you are listening to this, I am going to share with you my thoughts for this week based on the poem I draw from the book, The Gift, which is a collection of poems by the great Sufi mystic poet Hafez. And I might have said this in a previous episode, but in Iran, they actually have this practice that I'm doing, and I didn't even know that it was a thing until a friend of mine told me. Um, they ask a question, and then they go through a book of poems, and they just flip it open to whatever it lands on, much like uh, tarot cards, maybe, uh, or other ways of divination. Um, so I thought that was really cool. And so as I divine through these poems, I want to flip through them a few and, oh, here we go. How appropriate. This poem is called Some Fill with Each Good Rain. There are different wells within your heart. Some fill with each good rain. Others are far too deep for that. In one well, you have just a few precious cups of water. That love is literally something of yourself. It can grow as slow as a diamond if it is lost. Your love should never be offered to the mouth of a stranger, only to someone who has the valor and daring to cut pieces of their soul off with a knife then weave them into a blanket to protect you. There are different wells within us. Some fill with each good rain. Others are far, far too deep for that. Mm. Oh, I love all the imagery here. Um, but the idea of each good rain is just so appropriate for the storm that's happening outside right now. And I'm thinking about good rain. It's not bad, like some folks might say, let's say, you know, they had plans to go play soccer or something and the rain changes their plans. And some people might think of that as bad rain. You know, it's like you ruined my plans to play soccer outside and be in the grass. 
and then the sun. But to think of the rain as good casts a different feeling, a different vibration. And so I'm thinking about the wells of our heart. I love thinking how there are different wells in our heart that we can fill. One might be the physical relationships we have with other people and how we can fill those wells with that kind of love, the physical love, love of a partner, romantic partner, uh, love of children, love of family, those you're born into and those who you choose. And then there's the divine love, the love that comes from somewhere else, somewhere intangible. It can come from within. It's also known as self-love, that divine light within us. And it can also come from others, but not in that physical way, if I'm making any sense. I'm thinking specifically of like connections we make with other people who maybe we just met and suddenly we have an instant connection with them. And there's something in our shared energy, our shared vibration that makes that connection. That's the kind of otherworldly love I'm talking about. Um, I'm specifically thinking about a friend of mine who actually was a guest on the show a few months back, Veronica. And she and I uh, met a little over a year ago at a writer's conference in Lake Tahoe. And uh, it was the Community of Writers Esquaw Valley Conference. Uh, an amazing, amazing place, amazing people, amazing magic in that valley. Um, but she and I met there and we instantly hit it off. Uh, there was an instant connection. And as we talked, what was really crazy and wild, even to this day, is how many synchronicities we have. Um, she'll be going through something and I'll be going through the same exact thing. Um, you know, we're working on poems together. Uh, sometimes we exchange poems. Sometimes we work on our own poems and then talk about them with each other. But we're working on poems and they happen to be about the same topic. <laughs> but that was before we even shared the topic with each other. Um, we go through some similar challenges with our kids who are around the same time. We were born the same year. Um, we're both Filipinas. <laughs> it just, I mean, there are, there are endless, um, synchronicities that, that really crack me up. But the, the whole thing of it is that we have this connection, um, that I feel is, a deeper love than, you know, going out on a date with somebody or making a new friend, um, you know, at work or in a class that you take or whatever. Uh, there's something else there. And for those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, I invite you to keep your eyes open and keep your heart open and keep your ears and all the senses open. Keep your intuition open and see what kinds of connections you might make with people and don't, you know, put any expectations on it, but just to pay attention because once you pay attention, then you might notice some shifts. You might notice some new things happening. Um, 
you know, not everyone necessarily makes these connections, but paying attention to them helps for you to understand the reasons why certain people might be in your life, the reasons why certain people aren't in your life, or, you know, they were in your life once and then they kind of faded away. Uh, I'm just thinking about how all these interactions we have fill the wells of our heart in different ways. And so if we pay attention to that, can we amplify that? Can we grow that? Because whatever you focus on, you get more of. It grows. And who doesn't want more love, right? Uh, and just thinking about this poem some more, I mean, I love all the layers of it. But this one, uh, this one image really stands out for me is... Uh, Someone who has the valor and daring to cut pieces of their soul off with a knife, then weave them into a blanket to protect you. That's really profound. To think about how someone would love you so much that they would incorporate their soul into a blanket that provides protection, that essentially they are hugging you and loving you with their very soul. And how many of us can say that we've done that for someone? And it's not even like I offer you my soul. It's the words are cut pieces of their soul off with a knife. So there is some pain there. There's some taking away, but offering it to the other person. And how much that might fill one well in your heart. Hmm. This was totally not the uh, thing I was expecting to talk about today. But as you know, I just go with my intuition and see what the poem brings forth. But I'm also thinking in relationship of, to, of this poem, in relationship to the work that writers do. And how much we, in some senses, give our soul to others in the work that we create and the work that we share. Often, poets, I'll just use myself as an example, um, offer our deepest feelings, our deepest selves, our deepest heart, our deepest love in the poems that we create, that I create. It doesn't always happen. You know, sometimes I'll write a poem about making scrambled eggs. <laughs> you know, it's fine. It's part of the play. It's part of the balance, right? So um, so it's not to say all the time, but a lot of the time we writers are called to bear witness to what we see in the world. And we do it with love. We do it by giving of ourselves to the world saying, hey, this is what I see. And what I'm seeing is through the lens of me, through the lens of my soul, through the lens of my heart. And I'm offering it to you, whoever reads it to my wider audience, to, to the world. And I offer it as 
a document of witness to say, hey, this is what I see. This is what I see what's going on. It needs to be documented. I need to share it with you so that you can see it. It's almost like a, a reflection, a mirror. But it's also a gesture of service, of offering our love to another person. Because the people who read our work, the ones who really connect with it at a deeper level, at a, at a more like intense, emotional, spiritual level, those are the ones who come back to us and say, thank you for writing this. Thank you for sharing this story because this is what I'm going through. And I thought I was the only one. This story tells me not just that I'm not the only one, but that I am seen. That someone has seen me because they have experienced it or they have witnessed it and they have shared it with the world so that I can know I'm not alone. I can know that someone sees me even though I feel so alone. Even though I feel like there's no way anyone could be experiencing what I'm experiencing. I'll tell you, it's, it's a really intense feeling uh, when someone, a reader, comes back to you and says that, sends you a message and says, thank you for writing this. Thank you for seeing me, for putting words to my lived experience that I couldn't articulate, that I didn't even know was valid. And so that's why I continue to do the work to write even when the writing feels sticky or heavy or maybe the writing just doesn't come. But I try to continue because I know there are people out there who need the stories that I write, who need my stories, who need the stories of witness, but not just me all the writers, and specifically writers of color. We, uh, for a long time in this country, have not been heard. We have not been given any time of day, <laughs> you know, um, it's so important for writers of color's voices to be amplified, particularly those from the black community. Too often their voices have been silenced. Too often have their voices been rendered invisible, erased, um, more so than, than other communities of color. But this is not a comparison and this is not to discount the experiences of other communities of color. I just want to recognize and acknowledge that the black community has, has been through it, to say the very least of it. Um, and I wanted to acknowledge that. But to think about how important and how crucial it is for us to continue to write our stories, to write our poems, to share our experiences, and to, to bear witness is so key to our humanity. It's so key for us to remember that light and love that lives within us. And we can only remember that when we see it reflected back to us. 
you know, I'm thinking about Toni Morrison. Um, she's one of my favorite authors. Um, I, I first read her when I was an undergrad and I was blown away by Beloved um, and Sula and all the things, just every book that I've read by her has been amazing. But I, I just think about how um, she's, she's off quoted saying, if you don't see the book you wanna read, then go write it. Of course, those are not her exact words, right? I'm paraphrasing. She probably said it a little more eloquently than I just did. But it's true, you know, we look outside of ourselves to find ourselves. And the yogic teachings, spiritual teachings, often guide us to look within. To look within our deepest hearts, our deepest selves, to find out who we really are. But at the same time, we do live in this physical world. And so how do we find our physical selves? We look externally. We look at the movies we watch, the TV shows, the Netflix, the books we read, the music we listen to. And that often feeds our sense of identity, if not all the time. And so there's this balance that needs to happen between the physical and the spiritual, right? The spiritual identity is everlasting. It's unchanging. It is always within you. But if we think about how we are spiritual beings living a human experience, living in the human body, what identity are we shaping for this human body? I mean, part of the problem is we forget that we are spiritual beings, right? Because we're so focused, at least ego is so focused on the physical, that our, our physical labels, our physical identity, um, and so on, and that, that the spiritual identity is like, hey, remember me? <laughs> I'm over here. Um, sometimes so we put so many layers of identity on top of that inner voice, on top of that spiritual identity that we then forget about that essence of us. And so I, I think it's important to strike a balance between those. Um, so it's really crucial for us creators of color. I won't even say writers of color because, you know, we all have our expressions. It's important for us to continue to create because I know for myself, I did not see a lot of representation of Asian Americans, of Asians, of Filipinos, Filipino Americans. Um, if I did see any Asians in the media, it was always someone who was dumb and didn't know how to speak English, or someone who was super smart and still didn't know how to speak English, but never a main character, never the, you know, the primary focus of whatever it was. Um, and so over, over time, I came to internalize what I didn't know at the time, but internalize a kind of racial self-hate because of what I had seen. Um, and as a kid, you're not critical. You're not looking at these things. And with immigrant parents, they have no idea, right? They can't tell me, hey, that's not true. You know, they're, they're just trying to make a living in this new country that they've moved to and 
left me <laughs> to my own devices, essentially. But um, thinking about, you know, what's what's the representation? It matters. It totally matters. And I'll give you an example um, that happened to me recently, as, as recent as just yesterday. I, uh, I was, I can't remember. Oh, I came across uh, this online summit on sound healing. And I was like, yes, I'm so excited. This is so great. I love sound healing. And the first thing I do is I look at who the speakers are and I look at how much melanin is in there. You know, I look for speakers of color right away. Like the first thing I do, they have a like one page where they got photos of everybody. I don't even look at names. I just look at color. Is that person, you know, white, non-white? And yesterday I signed up for this sound healing summit and I came across this photo of a young black man, uh, Justin Michael Williams. Is that what his name is? Or is Justin Williams Michael? No, I think it's Justin Michael Williams. <laughs> Justin Michael Williams. I'll put it in the show notes. I have to check. I just found him yesterday. So give me a break. My memory is a little off. Um, but I found him and I was like, oh, let me check this out because, you know, here is a man of color, a black man leading meditation, which I'm like, who knew, right? I mean, of course we know, but we don't see it. We don't see black men in the public sphere, in the, in the sort of quote unquote celebrity sphere of the wellness and healing and spiritual communities. So I went and I went to check him out, loved his energy, saw a couple of videos with him, uh, loved his whole messaging. Um, and he was unapologetically saying, I serve black people. I serve the black community. I was like, yes, love that. And so I started thinking about how important that representation is. Now, had I not found him, I might just be like, okay, I guess I'll sign up for another meditation class with another person and, um, you know, just learn what I got to learn. But when he came across my line of vision, we'll say, suddenly I got excited. I got rejuvenated to dive back into meditation. His energy was so relatable for me. I was like, yes. Um, so all this to say that it's important for, for folks of color to continue to create and to be visible and to stand loud and proud to say, hey, this is what I am. This is what I have to share. And listen, read, pay attention. Um, but often, you know, with this kind of creation comes some um, energy depletion. Sometimes we tend to overextend ourselves. We get excited about it and then we get wrapped up in the whole um, dismantling of systemic racism mission. Not everyone is on that mission, but I think by creating something for our own communities, there is some essence of that. And so with that work that we do, if we don't rest, then we become depleted. And so it's important for 
us to take time to rest, to restore, and to recharge. Because no one's going to do it for you. You know, I have learned that lesson way too many times with this go, go, go attitude. Um, let me see <clears throat> how much I can get off my to-do list. Uh, and if I finish it all, then I can relax. We all know the to-do list keeps growing with every day. So it's a matter of deciding, okay, at three o'clock, I am taking a break. I am going to stand up. I'm going to take a walk outside or use the bathroom or get a drink or something and honor that. Um, because if we don't do that, then we can't create the things that lift us up. We can't create the things that lift others up. So it's just really important to not only express ourselves, but to refill that well. Refill the well of love, but refill the well of literal energy. And to know that more magic can come forth in rest. You know, I am um, I've been trying to learn this lesson over and over again, but lately it's coming up these, these last few days where I'm trying to create something new. Um, and you'll find out about it soon enough. And it's in, in tandem with this retreat I'm offering at the end of August for writers of color. And I'm sitting here trying to create something and trying really, really hard to envision what this is. You know, I'm, I'm brainstorming some things on paper and I'm trying to listen to some training videos and, you know, doing all these things. Do, 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 do. And, and then I was like, wait a minute. Here I am trying to encourage people to rest, to take the time to recharge and restore so that they can create more. And here I am not doing that thing. It's like, what is wrong with me? There's a classic example of like not practicing what you preach. So I will be the first to admit that, but know that I am working on it and that I plan to take some time to rest because I did take a little break yesterday and because I just, I just couldn't keep going. I was like, oh my God, I got to lie down for a little, like a few minutes and then after like a, I don't know, 10, 15 minute nap, I got up, suddenly my mind was clearer, I felt more energized, and I had a fresh perspective on the work I'm trying to create. And I was like, wow, that really works. And you know, this is not news to me, and it shouldn't be news to you. <laughs> but it's a matter of practicing and remembering that it works. And so I continue to work on recovering from my alcoholism, not my alcoholism, sorry. <laughs> that was a little slip. My workaholism and to trust that whatever I'm creating is going to be created with divine timing. That no matter how much I spin my wheels, if it's not ready to come forth, it's not gonna come any sooner. It's gonna come at the time that it needs to come. So I should just stop spinning my wheels. I should rest, but then also listen for intuitive cues to look for little nudges saying, hey, why don't you check out that person's Instagram account? 
they might have something for you. Just be careful you don't get stuck into the scrolling void of, you know, time suck. But to really be mindful in movement and intention so that we're not wasting our energy. So I talked about a lot of different things, didn't I? That tends to happen. Um, So I'll bring it back full circle. (laughs) We've got our heart full of different wells that need different kinds of love to fill it. And how do we do that? It comes down to just being. Who are you being? Are you being the person you're meant to be? Are you fulfilling your dharma? Are you following your life's calling, your life's purpose? And as you do that, are you acting from a place of integrity, of intuition, a place of alignment? And are you acting out of that intention rather than out of the doing? Are you acting from your being something, being yourself, being your identity, your true identity, your satnam? Or are you acting from a to-do list, from this ego-driven desire to do, 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 do? These are questions to consider. And I'll be the first to admit that more often than not, I default to the do, do, do side. It's a hard habit to break. And that's a story I'm telling myself, right? I can change that story. I could say it's an easy habit to break. The point is I'm aware of it and I will do what I can to shift that pattern into being and into taking action that feels more in alignment with whoever I'm being in that moment. So there's a few things for you to ponder upon, but to know that when I share these teachings and these stories, that it all comes down to practice. I mean, the intro to the show is about poetry and practice, right? And in practice, I don't specify what kind of practice. It's because I have all of these different things to offer you. But to know that when you practice anything that I teach you, any example that I give you, it's not going to happen once. It's not going to happen overnight. It may not happen over a week. I mean, it depends on what it is. It's going to take a lifetime of practice. And that should not discourage you. Because, I mean, if you were like me when I was a kid, when it came to practicing piano, I was like, oh, you know, I would drag my feet. I'd still do it, but I was not crazy about it. But if you have that intention, then the improvement or the, the result that you desire isn't isn't going to come to fruition. It really is about, okay, I notice I'm doing this thing. How can I shift away from that? Because I want to operate from a place of alignment. I want to learn how to be my highest and best version of myself. 
And it's not about judging yourself either. If you practice and then it doesn't work out or you practice and you have a good moment, but then you slide right back into the old pattern. It's okay. It's called growth. These are habits that have been ingrained in us since our childhood or, you know, our formative years. And it takes a lot of work to decondition our conditioned behavior. So just be gentle with yourself. Don't be judgmental. And to just continue on one step at a time with practice. And on that note, I've got a new book. Um, it's not new. It's just a new book to the to the show that I'd like to bring forth that I, I forgot that I picked up when I was um, at the Malay Colony for the Center of the Arts in upstate New York a couple years ago. Um, I didn't pick it up there. I picked it up at a, a nearby bookstore called Shaker Mill Books. Um, and this is called Love Poems from God. We've got 12 sacred voices from the East and West. And so I um, was reading, flipping through it, and there's this one poet. Her name is Rabia of Basra. And she, it says here, is without a doubt the most popular and influential of female Islamic saints and a central figure in the Sufi tradition. She was born nearly 500 years before Rumi. And though, although it is rarely said, she, perhaps more than any other poet, influenced his writings. How cool is that? So, um, so I came up across this poem that I'd like to share with you to close out this episode. This is called, The Sky Gave Me Its Heart. The sky gave me its heart because it knew mine was not large enough to care for the earth the way it did. Why is it we think of God so much? Why is there so much talk about love? When an animal is wounded, no one has to tell it you need to heal. So naturally it will nurse itself the best it can. My eye kept telling me, something is missing from all I see. So I went in search of the cure. The cure for me was his beauty. The remedy for me was to love. And on that note, I wish you all a beautiful day. And remember, the divine light in me bows to the divine light in you. Until next time, namaste. Are you craving connection and community? Are you also longing for some quiet time to go within? You can do both at this special retreat for writers of color called Healing the Decolonized Voice. We must put our well-being first by taking care of ourselves, soothing our hurts, and to do some self-healing. Imagine being able to write from a place of healing instead of pain. Imagine releasing blocks and feeling the flow of writing moving like magic. You'll spend four days in the mountains with a small group of writers receiving deep healing through a retreat that includes meditation and gentle yoga. Plus, you get your very own writing studio. 
In the evenings, we'll close each day with sacred healing circles around a bonfire. Come join me with an open mind and a soft heart. Registration deadline is August 15th. Space is extremely limited to allow for social distancing. Sign up today. Go to suryagiyan.com slash healing the decolonized voice for more information. Your healing work starts now.